There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white, so go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Ladies and gentlemen, Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of The Standard is the Standard, the BehindTheSteelCurtain.com flagship podcast, which has gone from blog talk radio to iTunes to YouTube. So if you're watching on YouTube, thanks. We appreciate it. If you are not, if you're listening via podcast, you should follow us on YouTube by searching BTSC Steelers Radio. And as always, I'm Jeff Hartman, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and with my co-host, Coming off a of bye week, we did we did a show last week, which was a first for us. We actually did a show. If you haven't checked it out, we lay out the entire second half of the season. Uh, Lance Williams, how was your bye week? How was it without Steelers football? And let's get right into the business and uh, business at hand, so to speak. I'll be honest. It was weird on Sunday with no Steeler game. I was trying to be interested in the NFL, but I just found myself not really being interested in watching any game. And I guess I'm of the age where I'm really just a Steelers fan. I'm maybe I'm, you know, if I wasn't watching Steelers football, I might not even be watching the NFL. That that's what kind of resonated with me on Sunday. I really had a good time not watching any football on Sunday. What did you do on Sunday, Jeff? Uh, Sunday, a lot of family stuff, uh, running errands, stuff like that. Uh, did get back for the second half of the 1 p.m. games, turned the TV on, the Ravens were losing, Bengals are losing, all is right with the world. And then the Chiefs lose at 425. But, you know, to your point about the week without Steelers football, here's what I thought. You know, I have a lot of friends that are real good friends. They're huge college football fans. I mean, they live and die for teams like Penn State and Maryland and West Virginia. But, for me, I've always preferred the National Football League, the professionals. That, that I just, I just like it. I, I like the speed. I like the fact that it's like every game is an all-star game. The NFL is not doing me any favors in terms of my argument for why the NFL is better when those one o'clock games on Sunday were atrocious. I'm talking some of the worst football. When the main talking point after those one o'clock games are the fights that took place. Uh, that's that's what everyone was talking about. They weren't talking about play. They were talking about A.J. Green going off on Jalen Ramsey, and they were talking about Mike Evans and Jameis Winston, and it's it's not good. It's not good at all. The product has taken a turn for the worse. I don't know if there's a reason why. Um, college football's rules are essentially the same. I don't think it's a rules thing, but whatever the reason is, it's not good. And I watched those. It was tough to watch those one o'clock games. And I wasn't that into it other than the fact that I was watching for the website. I was watching the AFC North teams and things of that nature. Uh, I'm kind of like you, Lance. I'm kind of turning into a Steeler fan unless it's a matchup I'm interested in, like the Cowboys or Chiefs game. I watched the majority of that game. That's a good game. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that college pro thing real quick before we move on? I hate college football. Uh, I'll be honest, I hate college basketball as well. The games have been perverted. They don't really, they don't match what the 
professional games are because of in, in college basketball, the dimensions of the court, the three point line makes the game a bastardization of the game. And when you look at football, it's something similar. It's the hashes. I mean, the yeah. hashes are too wide in college football. So it's not like you're watching real football. I mean, it's just a speed game. Line up on the opposite hash, run to the boundary, be faster than the other team. So, you know, college football and just the fact that, you know, college football makes so much money and athletes still don't get paid. It's just kind of hard for me to really just enjoy college football without recognizing that that it's a strict pimp hole system. So, So, you know, I watch Cal football because that's my alma mater. We might be bowl eligible, so I'm excited about that. If they go to a decent location, maybe I'll think about going to a Cal ball game. That'll be fun. But other than that, I stay away from college football. It kind of sucks to me. <laughs> no, I agree. Uh, but you know what? This is a show about the Steelers. The Steelers are coming off a bye. They're 6-2. and two, um, And they're getting ready for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, kind of underwhelming to me. Uh, you I don't know. I, I, some might say let down, but I know there's a lot of stuff we have on the docket, Lance. Why don't you get us started? What do you want to talk about first? Drink run. Here we go. McCafe coffees, shakes, and drinks. Ain't no thing. You the man. Yeah, that's what they're going to say. Oh, Kevin, thank you so much. We love you. <laughs> that's right. You the champ. The drink run champ. Welcome to McDonald's. How can I help you? Own the drink run, Kevin. Own it. Now get a small smoothie, shake, or frappe for $2 on McDonald's one two three dollar menu. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. There was an interesting transaction that occurred in the National Football League. The Green Bay Packers waived Martellus Bryant. I think we both agree that the tight end position hasn't been the most productive. We've seen some sparks and some glimpses of some production from McDonald's. But largely, the production from the tight end position has been inconsistent. No Grimble. Jesse James was a factor early in the season, but is now, to some extent, soured in the offense and kind of disappeared. Do you think, Mark, tell us Bryant would be a guy that the Steelers will kick the tires on and possibly bring in or give a tryout or even take a look at? Um, well, I for listeners out there, he means Martellus Bennett, but that's okay. Um, Bennett, Bennett, Bryant, Bennett. <laughs> You're thinking about Martavis Bryant. You got Martavis Bryant on the brain. Um, but still, I think it's important that I, I there's an article. I wrote an article. I, I saw the news. I was going to publish the article this afternoon, evening. And I was just like, yeah, I'll hold it till the morning. It's going to be an article running tomorrow morning. I wrote about this. I don't think it hurts to pick up the phone, but there's so many questions surrounding this. Um, the Packers released him with a non-disclosed injury. Uh, that, that's not the correct verbiage. So forgive me but essentially stating that he's hurt but they're not they're not really saying why rumor has it this is from the nfl network especially ian rapaport take that with a grain of salt that it's basically the the packers are trying to get their money they're trying to get back money that they gave him and that they owe him um that would be interesting because if they are successful in doing so and he still wants to play football now he had toyed with retirement he has a shoulder injury right now would they be able to pick him up and possibly get a Joe Hayden type deal where they can kind of figure out their own deal with him instead of having to pick up the contract that he had with the, um, with the Packers? It doesn't hurt to call. I'm sure the Steelers will pick up the phone and see what, what's going on. Is he hurt? Is he going to retire? How much would he want? 
how much are they going to absorb all that stuff? But ultimately, um, I don't think it goes anywhere. Uh, this offense has too many guys that want the ball and complain when they don't have the ball. I don't think they need to bring in anyone else, but it is intriguing. That's the one. If you're looking at the one weakness in the one roster spot that doesn't have the talent, it would be tight end and he would certainly help, but I don't see it happening. What about you? Speaking of a guy who wants the ball, and I did say Brian on several occasions when I was talking about Martellus Bennett, which means that my mind is quite fuzzy, <laughs> which his brain has been fuzzy in the past. Mike Tomlin came out and said that Martavis is in the plans. That's not a surprise, is it? No, no, not at all. I mean, Martavis Bryant is the team's number two receiver. He's a legit number two receiver. Whether he's producing right now or not, he does play a role on the offense. Um, go back to 2016. Remember what life was like out. What life was like without him? You're relying on guys like Kobe Hamilton and Darius Hayward Bay and Eli Rogers. It's just not the same when you have Martavis Bryant on the other side. And you even saw this against Detroit in Week Eight, the game that they benched him. Um, the Lions were able to have one safety rolling to Antonio Brown the entire game, and the other safety was deep down in the box to stop the run. And it took the Steelers a while, and it actually, they had to work for that win. Now, if Martavis Bryant's there, I don't think it's nearly as difficult. I think that because when you have him on one side and Antonio Brown on the other, you cannot roll that safety down to the box. And if you do, you have a one-on-one -on -one matchup that, Let's be honest, there's not many second cornerbacks that are going to be able to cover Martavis Bryant. So, yeah, it's a no-brainer to me. He's going to be a big part of this team, whether fans like it or not. Uh, but just like Le'Veon Bell, before the season started, I said it when everyone was hating on him because he was sitting out of training camp. I said, wait till he's scoring touchdowns and rushing for 100 yards and then talk to me about how much you can't stand him. People can't stand Martavis Bryant, but if he goes out in Week 10 uh, – or in week 11 at Heinz Field against the Titans, and he absolutely goes berserk and has three catches for 110 yards and, and two touchdowns, are people still going to hate the guy? No, they're not. So um, I think it's a good move. You think it's a good move, Lance? You know what's going to happen, Jeff. He's going to get four catches for a buck 25 and two <laughs> touchdowns. I mean, you know you know what's going to happen. I mean, you... <laughs> We not try. this week, not this week, because Antonio Brown owns the Colts. That's Antonio Brown this week. He'll do it next week. And uh, and, and Vonta Davis, I believe, is out, hurt, He's or out. benched, or demoted. There's some controversy going on with the Colts. I don't know what it is. But, you know, we try to think that teams aren't petty. But, you know, teams are made up of individuals, human beings. Human beings are petty. They're jealous. They're, they're every emotion you can think of. And I was not surprised that Juju Smith-Schuster had a ball-out, bust-out game against Detroit. I mean, you know how that happens. I mean, it's like he's sitting yeah. on the bench. We're going we're gonna to feature and target Juju. It just so worked out, given the coverages that they were playing, for Juju to have a monster game. So you sit the guy, you make him watch, and the guy that replaces him in the scheme for that particular game balls out. You just know it happens, and it's not a coincidence. Well, they want to tell you, but it, it's not a coincidence. But, Jeff, let's switch reels. Listeners, we were going to bring you Jim Wexel of Steel City Insider today. Jim does a fantastic job with his website, but a longtime supporter of mine and Jeff and Neil Kulong when Neil used to do the show. But for quality, sound quality of the show, we decided to maybe put that on the back burner 
to where we can ensure that the sound quality of the program is top notch. So we are going to imitate Jim on the show and we're <laughs> going to interview each other as if we were Jim. So right. I'm going to start it off and I'm going to ask Jeff my first question. What has been the biggest factor in the Steelers' defensive turnaround, and how surprised are you that the Steelers' defense has turned into one of the NFL's best? Uh, I think that's a twofold answer. I, I think first you look at the defensive turnaround and you say, okay, what is the main reason? And in my opinion, it's pressure. They've been able to get pressure on the quarterback, but not just pressure because they eventually got pressure last season in 2016. They ended up kind of salvaging the, in the second half. Some of their sack tote numbers were, were bumped up. Um, here's an interesting statistic for you in a little uh, odds and ends article I ran this afternoon. In terms of the highest blitz percentage, the Pittsburgh Steelers are the fifth lowest percentage of blitzing defenses at 20.3%. They blitz. That's the fifth lowest compared to the top, which is the Cleveland Browns at 44.4%. That is huge to me because it tells me they're able to get pressure without blitzing. When you're able to get pressure, they have 26 sacks. It's tied for fourth in the National Football League. They're coming off a bye. When you can get pressure with your front four, that leaves everyone else in the back end to cover. And that's what they're doing well because they have the second-best pass defense in the NFL. They're covering well because they're getting good pressure. And you cannot forget the fact that the this defense is finally getting some experience. Um, whether it's Ryan Shazier, uh, Stefan Tuitt is still a young player, just entering his second contract. Sean Davis, Javon Hargrave, Artie Burns, Mike Hilton. These young guys are starting to thrive, not just survive. They're starting to thrive in this defense, and that's a big thing for me. So those two things, uh, the pressure with the front four, and then the maturation of the players is what I would say. Uh, you agree or disagree? I agree with everything you said, and – you try to rhyme, thrive, and survive. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I've been rubbing off on you. Well, Jeffy that's the MC, yeah. the joy yeah. MC. <laughs> hey, I used, to, I used to coach, man. That's something I told my players. You're either thriving or surviving. You know, I mean, you're either just barely getting by or you're starting to, you're feasting. And so we'll say what it is. Hey, I got a question for you about the offense here, Lance. Are you ready? I'm ready to rock. All right. You're Todd Haley. Um, you're better looking than Todd Haley. I just want to mention that. Um, Thank you. You're Thank welcome. You. So if you're Todd Haley, you have to pinpoint one way to improve the team's red zone production and on third down. I feel like they're very similar in a lot of different ways, but you can split it up if you want. What's one way that you're going to improve those two facets that are really the bugaboo for this offense? I think in particular down in distances, on third down and in the red zone, when you're in medium distances, particularly like third and four, you know, third and three, I think you can't go empty set. And I think you should never go empty set in the red zone. I think you always have to present run pass option in the red area and on third down. I think another thing that will improve both the red zone and third down is trying to utilize the middle of the field, and that's to incorporate the tight end more. I think we need to see McDonald and or Jesse James reincorporated into the offense, both on third down in the red zone. Early in the season, we saw Jesse James get involved with some catches in the red zone. 
I think that has to come back. I think another element in the red zone that will help will be throwing the ball up, some fades, some jump balls, trying to get Martavis Bryant high-pointing the ball and some one-on-one matchups in the red zone. I think if they do those things and also concentrate on trying to run the ball more efficiently, more efficiently, excuse me, in short yarder situations and in the red zone, I think they will improve in both of those areas. Yeah, and for and to add one thing to what you said, be creative for once. I mean, you look at the shovel pass on third down against the Lions on Sunday Night Football, the last time they played, um, to Juju Smith-Schuster, it's a beautiful play call. I mean, it, it sounds corny that I say it's a beautiful play call, but that was a beautiful play call. No one really expected it. They expected Bell on the sweep as they saw him kind of motioning out to his left, uh, and then just right underneath, they ran it to Jesse James earlier in the season for a touchdown Get creative. That doesn't mean get cute. That means get creative. But I like where you're going with that, Lance. And Jeff, you can't use beautiful since you're joy. You have to say that was a joyous. Yeah, call. there you go. Joyous. 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 Let me jump into my second question for you, Jim, a.k.a. Jeff. Got In it. terms of the Steelers pass defense, how much cause for concern was last week's game against the Lions? Um, well, that's, that's if it's a scale from one to five, five being extremely concerned, one being not concerned at all, I'll say three. Uh, it was the first time that the defense had been, uh, I don't want to say exposed, but we'll just say shredded because um, that's exactly what happened. I mean, 400 plus yards passing is, is significant. I do want to give credit to Matthew Stafford. I, mean, I talked about this last week on our Wednesday show during the bye. I think it was Thursday, actually, but who cares? Um, Matthew Stafford is a really good quarterback. He played really well last week in Week 9 as well. It's not a fluke that he played well against Pittsburgh. He made some throws I call big boy throws. Um, they're throws that uh, guys like uh, you know the second-tier quarterbacks, the Case Keenums of the NFL, are not making these throws. So kudos to him. But at the same time, there's some communication issues. But what was the biggest issue? They weren't getting to the quarterback regularly. Uh, I talked about the the blitzing and pressure with the front four. It wasn't happening. And if it was happening, it wasn't nearly enough. And the few times they did get to Matthew Stafford, he was able to escape the pocket and make plays with his legs. So with that said, I think it was a learning experience for the defense. Um, we always say it's better to correct after a win than a loss. I think they had plenty of film to digest over the, the bye week. I'd say it's a three. Where would you put that on the scale, Lance, in terms of one to five, in terms of concern? I would probably put it at a two. And the reason I put it at a two, as we've seen uh, Andrew Lux out for the year, uh, Jacoby Brissett they'll face on Sunday, uh, no Aaron Rodgers, no Deshaun Watson. I think they have time to get it better, given the fact that in the second half of the season, they are not going to play very good quarterbacks. So I think they have time to correct it, and I don't think it's going to crop or, or, or pop up anytime soon. And the next time you might see it be an issue will be in the playoffs. But because of the light schedule in terms of quality quarterbacks, I don't think it's too much of an issue. I think this is still a 12 to 13 win seat, you know, team anyway, regardless of the issue in Detroit. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I don't think it changed. I, I think that this team, and and again, this team is this defense, especially, is still very, very young. 
and not very experienced. I saw an interview where Artie Burns was on Good Morning Football or whatever the hell the NFL Network morning show is. And he talked about the change in first year to second year and how he's he's more comfortable now, but he still leans on guys like Joe Hayden and Mike Mitchell because he's still only a second-year player. So keep that in mind. All right, offensive question for you, Lance. Uh, Big Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, there's been a lot of talk of Capes and Superman and Randy Fitchner as his quarterback coach saying all that weird stuff. But it just seems like Big Ben isn't really Big Ben anymore. Uh, maybe Big Ben is more management Ben, more manager Ben, um, or <laughs> little, hey, little Ben. Yeah, hey, don't f up the game, Ben. Is kind of what I'm getting at. If you were to utilize Ben Roethlisberger in a specific way, thinking about maybe number of attempts, um, how you would have those attempts look, what would your approach be to Roethlisberger as a 14 year veteran who still has the arm to throw it? But accuracy has been an issue. How do you kind of utilize Ben Roethlisberger down the stretch? Well, he's little Ben now. He he little <laughs> he 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 little Ben now. He well, he's, he yeah. He's, he's, he's still two fifty plus. I wouldn't say he's little Ben. He might be uh, chunky Ben. And did you say his quarterback coach's name was Ric Flair? <laughs> no, Randy. <laughs> it sounded like Ric Flair to me. You know, I saw the thirty for thirty nature boy episode last night and you know whoo i was watching him go whoo, whoo. <laughs> no I, I i haven't watched that yet but it's recorded when i think of of ben roethlisberger i think what set aside ben roethlisberger from other elite quarterbacks and the reason thing that made him elite and put the cape on all that good stuff was and i heard mike mike tomlin say it in a highlight clip and mike tomlin said quote once he moves to the right, dash your ass. <laughs> when he's outside of the pocket, my he said, dash your ass. Ben Roethlis, no, he no longer has the ability to make that play where he escapes the pocket to the right and throws the ball 45 yards down the field with accuracy and daggers teams. That's okay. He's taken about a million hits since. The Steelers have to continue to run the football. I think the run-pass mix needs to be, you know, 55 run, 45 pass. You know, your average number of snaps are about 60, so that means the running game is going to get 30-plus, and, you know, the passing game will get around 25 to 27 attempts. If you look at Ben Roethlisberger's yards per attempt, in the last three games, it's been over 10. Let him dink and dunk between the middle of the field, take advantage of Eli Rogers, A.B., Juju Schuster, and take occasional deep shots off of play action. Let the running back and the running game and Le'Veon Bell and John Connor be the foundation of the offense, but he primarily be a play action quarterback where it looks like old-school Steeler football but you do it out of spread formations, so you still have that run-pass option. You're not declaring power all the time. But I think now that he's little Ben, you got to reduce the throws. I mean, the guy is kind of scattershot at this point. At times, he can make some ridiculous throws. You know, I think it was a couple of weeks ago he made the cover two beater. Cincinnati hitting A.B. in the hole in cover two. Awesome throw. But – 
He's also that guy that misses Eli Rogers. He's also that guy that misses the throw before he made the dime to Juju Schuster. So you just have to manage around that and let the running back and the running game be the foundation of the offense and limit his throws. And he become a deadly game manager because we've seen the yards per attempts are now up at that elite 10, you know, above 10 mark. And, and, and his attempts have been down. So this is where I think Ben should be for the remainder of the season. You think his accuracy issues have anything to do with the lack of attempts that maybe he's not getting into a groove early in the game that, uh, yeah, I, I feel like sometimes quarterbacks are like pitchers. Sometimes it takes an inning or two. Let me, let me stop you, Jeff. Did you see when he threw the ball 50-some times against Jacksonville? Well, oh, come on. Throw that game out the window. I'm talking about early in the game. I'm not saying throwing it 55 times, but I'm saying you don't come out in the first three series or run, run, pass, run, run, pass, run, run, pass. All of a sudden, you've only thrown the ball three times. They've all been on third down and probably third and long. You're not really giving your quarterback a chance to get settled. I'm just asking you if that's if you think that plays a role at all. I think you have to be more creative than run, run, pass, obviously. But I think if you get the running game going early in the game and you get play action going, I think what the defense has to do to account for the running game probably gives him easier throws, throws in which he can be a little bit inaccurate and still hit those instead of, having to throw it in these tight windows necessarily to start games possibly. So, so you know, I, I just think right now when you look at this team and the fact that they haven't gotten Martavis Bryant on page, Eli Rogers is missing, and the tight ends are absent as well, the foundation has to be the running game, and he has to support that. Yeah, I think that they can be smart in terms of early in the game giving him some easy throws that are extensions of the running game. People hate those wide receiver screens, but a lot of times they're good for five, four, five, six yards on first down. Why not? That's that's a good chunk of yardage. Heck, run some screens, man. I mean, these are easy plays to kind of get you in the rhythm. That's what I think. So uh, go ahead. You have a question for me next, right? Hey, Jim, during the bye week, <laughs> there's been a lot of talk about playing more man coverage. And coming off that Detroit game, what do you think we'll see in the second half of the uh, of the season? Do you think we will see the Steelers play more pure man concepts because they play a lot of man because they play matchup zone stuff and in cover three and a lot of zone coverages after a certain distance, it breaks down into man anyway outside the numbers and in different areas of the field. Or do you think we're going to see more pure man out of the Steelers in the second half of the season? I think they're saving stuff for New England. I'm not joking. You may think I'm nuts, you, uh, but you listen to Keith Butler talk. He's a very, he, he's a kind of like a country bumpkin, you know, he's has that Southern drawl and stuff, but ultimately this guy's really smart. He's very calculated. He knows what he's saying. He's no, he knows what he's doing. I wouldn't be shocked if even when they play the Patriots at Heinz field in week 15, I believe if they still stick with zone, I think that in the back of his mind, he knows they're going to see him again. He wants to say something. I don't think you're going to see much, man. I think they're going to still do what they do. They're going to be probably one of the most zone-based defenses in the National Football League. Like you said, some zone concepts still lead to man-to-man on the outside. But I think that that's, that they feel that the throws that Matthew Stafford made in Week 8 that got him over 400 yards are not easy throws to make. Andy Dalton didn't make those throws. 
Case Keenum didn't make those throws. And hell, even in their losses against the Bears and the Jaguars, those quarterbacks didn't beat them by making those throws. I think they're gonna you're gonna see more of the same. To be totally honest with you, I don't think you're going to see many changes. I think they're going to keep working on it. You might see a little bit sprinkled in here or there. I think they're going to be planning for that Patriots game to maybe throw a huge wrinkle at Tom Brady that he's not ready for. Um, I, I, that's just me. What do you Connect with others who work for themselves. Connect with like minds, new ideas, and fellow creators. Connect with innovators, industry experts, mentors, and potential partners. Connect with risk takers, connect with opportunity and new possibilities. Connect with your inner leader, explorer, or inventor. Connect with what your business needs to succeed at QuickBooks Connect. Join us November 6th at the San Jose Convention Center. QuickBooks Connect, backing your path to success. Register now at QuickBooksConnect.com. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Think. I think you make a good point there because the one thing about the Patriots, if you put it on tape, I oh, mean, yeah. you know, they, they got it. And, yep. and, and and one thing with the Patriots, I don't know if they can do it so much defensively. When you have the, the arguably the GOAT quarterback and a guy that's played in that system for so long, offensively they can switch on a dime and just do different things. Like last year in the AMC Championship, they only ran four wide receiver sets 10 times the whole season, and they ran it like 50 times in the AFC Championship. I don't know if they, um, you know, because of that and because of that versatility, you have to hide stuff. You have to keep stuff in the proverbial Monopoly community chest and pull it out (laughs) during the game to where these guys – uh, don't have enough time to adjust because even if you pull it out and you surprise them, you know, Tom Brady TV 12 after he eats his uh, avocado toast. I mean, that guy's a computer. Once he sees it, even in the game, they can have a counterpoint and an adjustment. So even when you make those type of adjustments, you got to keep them coming to keep Tom Brady confused. Plus that pass rush has to be humming, but I think they are keeping something in their vest pocket, so to speak. Uh, for for the Patriots, that little fifth of vodka that you sneak into a ball game when it's like 35 degrees outside, so to speak, they have that stuffed in their jacket pocket. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that's I, I I agree with you 100. Um, you have to the, the the last time I can remember the Steelers beating Tom Brady was Lamar Woodley had that big game. I think he had like four sacks. It was at Heinz Field. Maybe that was. 2010 i'm not sure um but they confused him you could see you could see he was frustrated he was frustrated so i I think the new england game is on their radar no one will say it but it is uh my question for you lance or jim is the pittsburgh steelers are coming off a bye they have a game sunday at indianapolis at lucas oil stadium and then they come back for a thursday night game at heinz field against the tennessee Titans. So two AFC South opponents in a row with a very short week. With that said, do you think that if you were the head coach, you would limit Le'Veon Bell's carries on Sunday against the Colts? And do you think Mike Tomlin 
will do so on Sunday against the Colts. And maybe we'll see more James Conner. Or do you think they say, screw it, he's going to get potentially 30 touches on Sunday and then again on Thursday? Well, first of all, my name is Black Jim. Oh, sorry, Black Jim. Um, Excuse me, so I'm I'm Black (laughs) Jim. Uh, And secondly, you play to win the game. Oh, yeah, don't give me the scapegoat answer. I want to know your <laughs> no, no, no. Answer. I mean, you know how coaches are. Oh, they, yeah. they, they don't think of that stuff. They're just trying to win the Colts game. And the way they play bad teams, particularly on the road, they better focus on the Colts game. And, and, and that that's all you can do. Win that game and, and go on to the next. I don't think you'll see a pitch count for Le'Veon Bell whatsoever. I think the only thing that I might do from an offensive standpoint is I might come out a little no huddle, come out a little bit faster, and try to really get on Indy quick to try to beat Indy up so I can possibly take some reps off of Le'Veon Bell that way by getting the game in hand and having a big lead in the second half in the fourth quarter and maybe letting uh, some of the other running backs bleed the game out that way by jumping on them real early in the passing game and being really aggressive. Okay, so scenario here. Let's say the Steelers are up. Let's say there's five minutes left in the third quarter. The Steelers are up. Uh, we'll say 28 to 10, an 18 point lead. You pull in Le'Veon Bell from the game. You got your you got your helmet ready, baby. You ready to take some snaps? We're gonna put yeah, you in. A, we're gonna put you in a running back. But you're taking Le'Veon Bell out. Absolutely. You ready? You ready to take those snaps? Yes. We're gonna put you, you in. Hey, you want to win? Put Booby in. That's what I say. <laughs> we'll get you a game <laughs> check. We'll get you five minutes. We'll get you five minutes for 12 grand. We'll Let me ready. spin, Coach. Let me spin. All right. Yeah, you ready to do that? Five minutes yeah. for 12 grand? Huh. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll get killed for 12 grand, sure. Absolutely. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. You have you have one more for uh, I got one more question for you, for, Jim. For white for white Jim. White Jim. Salt and pepper. Where the salt and pepper gyms? <laughs> um <laughs> the SPJs. Um, let me get let me hit you with my last question. Uh the pass rush is on pace to get almost 50 sacks. Something that you you have reminded me several times that I laughed at you about. Yes. What's what's the reason for that? What's been the biggest change on on this defense? To me, it's it's multiple people are getting to the quarterback. I mean, think back to the glory days of any era of Pittsburgh Steelers football when they switched to a 3-4, whether it was... Greg Lloyd and Kevin Green, or whether it was Joey Porter and Clark Hagens, or whether it was James Harris. I think that ultimately you have those bookend corner that those bookend linebackers that the bookend linebackers they're needed, but the Steelers are getting their most pass rush productivity from Cam Hayward with five sacks. He's halfway to double digits. They haven't had a double digit uh, sacker for, I think, since James Harrison did it in 2010. So it's been almost a decade. Uh, I think that's a credit to what's causing them to be successful. You know, TJ Watt, I think, has four. Cam Hayward has five. Um, I know Shazier has a couple. Javon Hargrave has a couple. Bud Dupree, all these guys have one, two, three, four sacks. I would like to see one player step up and really – I'd like to see a double-digit sack getter. I don't know if it's going to happen. If it is, it's probably Hayward. 
Do you think it's necessary for one guy to step up, or do you think they can thrive off of multiple players getting after the quarterback? And if, it's, if you do think one guy's going to step up, who is it? I think they need one guy to step up. You have to have a guy in the fourth quarter when you need to hunt and go get a sack in a big-time situation. He has to be able to get that, and I think it has to be Bud Dupree. Bud Dupree has to be that guy that in the current situation has to go get it. Sort of like the sack that James Harrison got against Eric Fisher in Kansas City. When you need that sack and you need that guy to go out there and make that play, he's got to be that guy. So I think you need a guy. You also need a guy where, you know, you're going to tilt the line to. So you can get favorable matchups for uh, Watt on the other side. So I think Bud Dupree needs to be that guy to lead the charge in that respect. I agree. I agree, Black Jim. And so, Black Jim, my last question for you is related to the offense in terms of spreading the love because we know that Antonio Brown throws Gatorade jugs when he doesn't get the ball. We know Le'Veon Bell will criticize the offensive coordinator if they're not running it enough. And we know that Martavis Bryant will go on social media platforms and completely lambaste and blast his teammates if he's not happy. So... With that said, if you're the coordinator and the quarterback, would even distribution of the football look like? Because we know that Antonio Brown's going to get the majority of the targets, rightfully so, best in the business. We know that Le'Veon Bell's going to get his touches. But what about guys like Martavis Bryant and Juju Smith-Schuster and in terms of touches and targets for Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, if you could kind of lay that out, like what would be sufficient? What would be sufficient for Martavis Bryant that he wouldn't go on Instagram and call people just say stupid stuff that could cause him to have to sit down a game? Like what, what would be your solution for that problem? I wish I knew what Mike Tomlin said to Willie Parker back in the day, something to the effect of we have Lombard, Lombardi trophies in there, not rushing titles. Uh, he, said every, but, he said every day I walk into work, I walk by six Lombardis, not six rushing titles. Yes, that, that that would probably be my answer. But for the sake of this question, I, I'm, I'm going to try to give you some math for it. And we're talking about 60 snaps. So yeah. I'm going to give Le'Veon Bell 30 carries. So that's half All the right. snaps there. I'm going to give another 10. Let's just keep it even. Uh, an, another 10 targets to Antonio Brown. Typically, it's probably 12 to 14, but I'm going to give another 10. So that leaves, that's 30 and 10, that leaves another 20 snaps. So that leaves another 20 snaps or between Martavis, Juju Schuster, Eli Rogers, and one of the tight ends. I think Juju Schuster probably gets another five. Martavis probably gets five. Um, I'll give Juju seven. Martave is probably another five, so that's another 12. That's, what, 52? So you have eight snaps left. So I got eight snaps left. Um, Maybe Jesse James and the tight ends both get four apiece. Okay. That's your distribution right there. See, anybody, you think that that would have – I understand that the coaches don't care. They care about winning, and the players should too, but we know that's not the case with this team. You think that five targets from Martavis Bryant would not have him and his girlfriend going berserk on social media after the game? 
Well, it might have his girlfriend going berserk. You never know. I mean, when your girlfriend is on Instagram and Twitter and Snapchat going bonkers, you never know. He he might need 20 touches a night for her to not type. But uh, I think if you gave him five targets, right, let's just say he catches three of those. Let's say he averages, you know, 17 yards a grab. And that's great. That's good money. Yeah. I mean, that, that's good money. I mean – I'll take that. They'll take that too. If he Absolutely. gets three catches averaging 17 yards a catch. No, you're right. You're right. I like that. And I think that's pretty much spot on. I, the only thing I would maybe change to what you said was, you know, you said you'd give Le'Veon Bell 30 carries. Um, I don't know if you meant to say touches, but I'd probably throw in it like maybe five receptions. Yeah, it's, it, it's probably so touches. He's, 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 touch. Okay. All right. Let's get down to predictions here. Let's get down to brass tacks. Um, I'll go ahead and go first. We haven't talked about the Colts too much. Um, Why? And that's kind of on purpose. <laughs> Why? <laughs> but Why? We, will, we will predict the game nonetheless. Uh, and I'm going to give you some numbers that are going to lead to my pr- prediction, okay? Uh, in 2014, 10 receptions, 133 yards, and two touchdowns. 2015, Eight receptions, 118 yards, two touchdowns. 2016, five receptions, 91 yards, three touchdowns. You might be saying, what are these? These are Antonio Brown's statistics against the Indianapolis Colts and mainly against Vontae Davis over the last three seasons, one of which was a Pro Bowl year for said Vontae Davis. Vontae Davis is not playing in this game. The Colts' defense is going to be in for a treat. I just don't think they have any potential to stopping this offense if they are improved even a little bit from week eight when they were in Detroit. Um, I think that the Steelers' defense is going to be getting after Brissett. I'm just not impressed with anyone other than T.Y. Hilton. I like Moncrief. I do. I think the defense might have some more issues, especially with that tight end. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. He's caught a lot of passes, a high volume of passes. But I think the Steelers' offense, which always plays well at Lucas Oil, which Roethlisberger plays well in a dome, um, coming off a bye week where they're healthy, I like the Pittsburgh Steelers big. I think they break the 30-point mark for the first time this season. I'm going to go ahead and say Pittsburgh Steelers 34, Indianapolis Colts 13. That's my prediction because Antonio Brown's a monster against these guys. And as long as little Ben can throw him the football, we'll be just fine. What do you think, Lance? Well, they haven't scratched the 30-point mark this year. They got 29. Is 29-30? No, but you said they haven't scratched. They got close. That's as close as you can get. (laughs) (laughs) They snipped it. This team is averaging – 20 point i think nine points a game i think they'll win the football game if you guys listen to the program uh last week we've already predicted this game and the rest of the season so i'm going to stay consistent with my pick from last week's show i think they turn jacoby Brissett into a brisket <laughs> i think they go into indianapolis and they play very well although as steeler fans we all know this is the type of game they go, yeah. they crap the bed. But I think coming off of a bye week, well-rested, everybody back, I think they get after the Colts in a big way. So I say they beat the coach 
Oh, wow. Yours is a lot tighter than I I think. Um, well, hey, a win's a win. Uh, you'll hear, still hear the same whiny babies of Steeler Nation complain about a win um, when a team like the Cleveland Browns would kill for a win. But anyways, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't not poke, poke fun at the Browns. It's just like a weekly thing. I mean, I could talk about the A.J. McCarron trade uh, fiasco, which is hysterical in itself, but uh, I digress. So um, go ahead, Lance. you have anything to add before we kind of wrap it up? Yeah, I have a, a WTF. First of all, WTF about A.J. McCarron is, you know, A.J. McCarron is like the guy that's real hyped up when he's got this new girlfriend and he shows you her picture and you look at it and go, ooh, <laughs> and she's not that cute. And he's just like, wow, she's bad, right? It's like, come on, Cleveland, uh, that's A.J. McCarron. Like, whoo, maybe you dodged a bullet. But yeah. my WTF is... Jerry Jones is threatening to sue the National Football League if Roger Goodell gets an extension. Can you say WTF? First of all, anytime you can sell Thursday night football to three networks, not only should he get an extension, he should be the commissioner for life <laughs> Thursday night football is horrible and he sold it to three networks yep are you kidding me maybe it's not three but I know he sold it to CBS and he sold it to uh NFL channel did he sell it somewhere yeah. else as well well he just... had it he's had it streaming on several different platforms Twitter was last year I think this year was maybe YouTube go. Yeah, so you count that as a channel, sure. If you could sell that crap multiple times, man, he he should be the commissioner till he's 116. Now, he sucks when it comes to player conduct. You know, he doesn't give a rats about the player's health and all that. But the one thing he does do, and the one thing that billionaires love, is cash. He makes the NFL bundles jerry jones w t f there's a time and a place for black and white like when you're learning to play piano or when you want a big two-toned cookie or when shopping for a pet zebra but if you want to attract customers there's no room for black and white so go to staples staples specializes in bold hard to miss color printing and now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing. From banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Yeah, that's a good one. And it's all because of Ezekiel Elliott. It's all because he doesn't like... You think these people would learn by now. Ask Tom Brady. The NFL's going to get you. They're going to get you. It's just a matter of time. It might not be this season. It might be next season, but they're going to get you. If, and if, it's some, if for some reason they don't, that's a huge crack in the armor of that CBA and of the NFL as a shield and as the New York offices. So I'm not looking forward to the CBA expiring. I think we're going to be in for a really long lockout. Could be without football for a really long time, but I digress. So, you know, with that said, great WTF, Lance. Um, great show. I want to give people a little bit of an insight as to what's coming up on the show. 
uh, it's been slow because there hasn't been a game, and you're kind of you know creating content. We've got all the news for this upcoming Week Ten game with the Colts, the injury breakdowns, um, commentary of my article about. Martellus Bennett will be published tomorrow morning. Make sure you check that out, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Uh, this podcast will be there if you're listening on iTunes. If you haven't listened on iTunes, follow us on iTunes by searching The Standard is the Standard, and you'll see us right there. Just hit subscribe. Give us a good rating now that we've improved all our sound quality and everything. So that's good stuff. Um, but you know what? We'll be back next Wednesday to talk about the game on Thursday. It's going to be tough. It's going to be a real quick turnaround as we recap the Colts' hopefully a win and prepare you for the Tennessee Titans, which will be a much more competitive game in my opinion. So Lance, anything else to add before we call it a night? No, I don't have anything else. White Jim. All right, black Jim. Well, it's been fun. It's been real. I can't say it's been real fun. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, we'll see y'all later. Uh, Thanks for watching on YouTube. Thanks for listening wherever you're listening. We'll see you next time. Aloha, I'm Clifford from Yamano Safeway. Can't decide what to eat? Whether it's lunch or dinner, you'll find a perfect meal in the Safeway Deli. Handcrafted sandwiches, fresh sushi prepared by our in-house chefs, signature salads, our famous fried chicken and tenders. Add a side like creamy mashed potatoes or mac and cheese. All fresh and ready to go every day. Stop by this week to get a hot deal on rotisserie chicken, only $5.88 each with in-and coupon. This is Clifford from Manoa Safeway, and we'll see you soon. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Carreyou, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there.